0: Good morning. Welcome. I would uh, add my welcome to Simon. Say, if you're new here, in particular, you are especially welcome here. It's great to have you. And uh, I thought I'd start with a little bit of a story. Okay. So there is a uh, a guy who I heard about just two weeks ago, two weeks last Sunday, who was uh, walking down Midland Road around about Bedford, and um, he described himself as uh, being in quite a dark place. And as he wandered down this particular street, two guys stepped out of the church meeting that they had been in and just approached him. They said that they felt like they should go and meet someone who had been out there on the street. And so they just got into conversation and invited him to come back to the church meeting they are part of. And so he, he went and he sat very quietly at the back, just taking in the whole message that was being preached. And um, at the point, at the end of the message, the guy who was leading the meeting gave him, people an opportunity to respond to Jesus. And this guy stepped forward to give his life to Christ. Now, he stood and lifted a banner high that said, I love Jesus on it which I kind of love, and this is a picture of him right here as he um, made this response to to Jesus, and then he just broke down in tears as people prayed for him, and he even stood up with the microphone to say, you know, I I don't normally walk down this street, and yet I felt this strange pull that kind of dragged me to these guys, and then they they just invited me in, and and this just seems amazing, almost too good to be true. He was blown away by the love that he heard about in that message. Now, I've since seen a video of this guy talking about, even in the last two weeks, how much life has changed. And you know the most amazing thing for me is I know this guy. His name's Mike, and around about 10 or 12 years ago, I used to play football with him. And uh, here's a picture of uh, he and I, as we used to play football together. I'm the one with hair. <laughs> I know. And um, what, what's amazing for me, guys, is this, is that um, through that time, you might have heard me share before, I, I kind of started a football team in order to just reach o- other guys, and I would walk up and down the football pitch just praying for these guys by name that God would encounter them. And 10, 12 years later, God randomly, in the middle of Bedford, you know, through another church, just reaches out and rescues him. Isn't that amazing? I love it! I love it! And you know, it, it just stirs me, and I want to encourage you that your prayers are powerful and effective and even if it's 10 years later, even if it's 12 years, even if it's 35 years later, I don't care. Listen, keep going for it. Listen, let me pray for us real quick, and we're going to dive into a text and see what God wants to say to us today, okay? Father God, we thank you that you are on the move. Lord, we thank you that we can come to you right now as your children. And Lord, we'd be eager to hear your voice. And we want to pray, God, that through uh, the words that you want to speak today, Lord, that every single heart, every single mind would be touched and encouraged by what you want to say uniquely to them. So I bless you and your presence here today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, if you have a Bible, would you please turn with me to uh, John chapter 14. We're going to read through verses 1 to 6. This is Jesus um, in the days leading up to his crucifixion, actually, speaking to his disciples who have spent the last three years with him, seeing him do remarkable things. And so the words will appear on the screen behind me if you don't have a Bible to hand. But let's just dive in. It says this, don't let your hearts be troubled, trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And when everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know the Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way. The truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. These are the verses that we're going to be looking at. In particular, verse 6. And uh, it was just last week when I was thinking about this particular passage. And uh, I was up very early in the morning feeding my little boy. This is Oliver. He's eight months old, and we were doing the porridge thing very early, and as I was kind of spooning in each kind of mouthful, part of it kind of going all over his face as it does, and I was just thinking to myself, you know, if I could plant a seed of any verse that I wanted to grow and live with him for the rest of his life, do you know what? I think this well could be it. That he would know that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is the truth, and that Jesus is the life. And no one comes to the Father. No one will get to know God without coming through Jesus. And you know, it's the same seed that I want to plant in you today, okay? I think it's a seed of massive significance for us personally, but also in the way that we're going to live our lives and connect with the world around us. And so turn your expectation dials up, and let's see what he wants to say, okay? Now, being a father of three young kids, uh, we do obviously have lots of toys around. I don't know whether you've seen those kind of pull-string toys, which then, you know, say something as it comes back. And so I'm a Toy Story fan. Maybe you've seen uh, the kind of woody pull-string toy. So you kind of pull it back, and he screams, you know, there's a snake in my boots. You hear that? Or there's a little bit of Buzz Lightyear. You know, pull the string, and it's like to infinity and beyond. Well, do you know what, though? It's actually a pull-string Jesus. Did anyone know that? It's true. (laughs) Here he is, a little picture of the pull-string Jesus. And uh, you can imagine it, can't you? The short, sharp, pithy statements which make everyone have the warm and fuzzy feelings inside. You know, Maybe you pull the string and it's like a, turn the other cheek. It's all very lovely. Pull the string, it's like, love thy neighbor. You can imagine it, can't you? Or maybe, seek first the kingdom of God. And it would be this you know, beautiful, you'd feel very warm about it. Do you know what I think, actually, this verse could well be one of those, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and everyone would get super cozy and think, yes, everything is well with the world, and the birds are singing, and happy thoughts all over the place. The fascinating thing, though, is that if you get underneath the skin of this verse, it's actually incredibly controversial, and, uh, you know, some would say it's one of the most controversial things that Jesus ever said. Now, understand, when Jesus walked the earth, he did some incredibly controversial things, because religious leaders at the time would all spend their time directing people away from themselves and pointing people to a higher power. That you've got to do certain things and live a certain way in order to gain favor with God. But Jesus, instead of pointing people away from himself, consistently points people toward him. Okay? So John 6.35, he says, I am the bread of life. John 8.12, he says, I am the light of the world. John eleven twenty five. 25, I am the resurrection and the life. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he says that people need to come to me, not go to God, come to me. Mark 1, 11, he encourages people to follow him as the way to life. And then John 14, 9, to have seen me is to have seen God. Now, these are remarkable things. And you know what? That's only a very small sh- snapshot of the number of times he would consistently say those kind of things. There was one occasion when he even claimed to be able to forgive sins. Now, the Jews at the time knew that only God could do that. And there were occasions when he would pick up, they would pick up stones in order to want to stone him, kill him for the things that he was saying. Imagine how crazy it would be if I stood in front of all you guys right now and said, you know what, one day when you die, you will all stand before me and I will decide your eternal destiny and where you will be for the rest of eternity. How crazy would you think I am? And yet Jesus said it. He said that one day he will judge the world. Now, of all of these outrageous claims, I think this one that we're looking at, John 14, verse 6, is possibly the most controversial. I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If I were to be out in town, which I sometimes do, and go and communicate with people and just kind of share my faith, oftentimes it's these kind of words which people would find offensive, that people would find intolerant, and narrow-minded which is a little bit tricky because it's not that Jesus says that he is a way he says he's the only way now the world you will know is full of different kinds of religions and according to law all are basically equal now a lot of people will tell you there's a variety of ways that we can get to God and find spiritual enlightenment and just being honest with you part of me quite likes the idea Part of me quite likes the idea of kind of toning things down and trying to make a good connection and kind of just saying to people, try your best. You know, that's what life's all about, isn't it? Just, just try your best and, uh, you know, maybe I could just say to them, hey, just kind of find a path that suits you. The problem is I'd be lying. And I don't want to lie. I don't want to lie to you. I don't want to lie to the people who I get the privilege of walking alongside. I don't know whether you've ever seen this analogy, Okay. It was like an old fable and tale, a story of an elephant and blind men. And it was used as a description to be able to say that all of us are like blind men, and all we're doing with different face is looking at a different part of an elephant. And so the way the story would go is that there would be one man who is holding hold of the tusk. And he says from his vantage point, well, the elephant is it's like a spear. It's long and it's pointy. And there'd be one blind man who's at the other end and grabbing hold of the tail and saying, well, no, the the elephant's like a rope. Maybe one would be grabbing the the trunk and saying, no, 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 the the, the elephant is like like a long, thick hose. One would be stood alongside the barrel of its chest with its hands up and saying, no, 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 an elephant is like a wall. Now, the way the story goes is this. There is a king who hears the commotion, hears the arguments, and the king stands from a distance and is able to see that these blind people are all just holding on to a different part of the elephant. And the king says this. He says, look, the elephant is a big animal. Each man has touched only one part. You must put all the parts together to find out what an elephant is like. Now, some people will say that's the same with all religions. We're all just grabbing different parts of an elephant. And, and, and it's, it's just the case that we've all got different perspectives, perhaps, and, and, and ultimately it's all just one God and one person we come to. Now we have a problem with that. And there's, there's a whole bunch of different things that we could talk about, but leaving aside the fact that at their very core, religions contradict each other and therefore cannot be all true. But if you think about the analogy, there's one important character in it. It's the king. The one who from a higher vantage point comes out who has not got uh, the inability to see he's looking down and can see the whole animal what we need to know is that is there a king is there anyone who who has if you like come from on high is there someone who created everything is there someone who is the first the last the alpha the omega is there someone with whom we can trust who knows God and can see the whole picture the answer is yes his name is Jesus now what does he say He is the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last. He is the one who gave life to everything. You see, there's one big difference between Christianity and I would suggest every other religion and worldview. And that is that every other one is based on performance. It's based on being able to earn favor with God and gain spiritual enlightenment. So you need to perform good deeds, chant the right words, uh, use a prayer wheel, go through a series of reincarnations, faithfully follow religious drills. But by contrast, Christianity is about what Christ has already done. And you can take a big sigh of relief. See, according to the Bible, no one can earn God's favor. It's the beautiful thing of a free gift. It's a free gift of forgiveness and life in all of its fullness. Eternal life as a gift. Now imagine for a moment two parties, okay? And the first party you uh, want to go to, but there's this strict set of rules. You need to earn your way to have membership there. You have to accomplish certain things. You have to get top grades. You have to measure up to a long list of requirements. And no matter how hard you try... They seem unattainable, and there has to be an exclusion point. That's what every other religion is like. But with Christianity, with the party that he throws, it's like there's this enormous wide door that invites everybody in, and anyone who wants to come inside can. Whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you're academic or a rebel, whether you've got dreadlocks and piercings, or whether you're bald. Whether you wear socks with sandals, Anybody simply has to accept the invitation that Jesus offers. Now, is Christ offensive when he says he's the only way to God? Some would think so. Some would say it's offensive. I would say it's incredibly inclusive. Every person who wants to receive the invitation that he offered, an invitation to a party which is out of this world, by the way, he puts that before each and every one of us. You know, we live uh, here in Bedford in one of the most diverse places in the country. I don't know whether you know that. So uh, even within our kind of, uh, the confines of the county, there's upwards of 100 different ethnic groups. And um, I, I think it's a remarkable thing. And God really is doing something in this church as well to reflect the ethnicity of the town and the breadth of, of, and the beauty of the diversity in this town. Don't you think? Now, I remember a few years ago when me and some of the, some of the teams, some of the little elders here had gone away to pray. And we were praying this. We're saying, God, would we be as a people reflective of the town that we love and that we serve? And God's done something remarkable. I don't know whether you guys were here for the baptisms, which were just down here last weekend. We baptized 10 people, incredible stories. What was incredible for me was the fact that there wasn't one person who was white British. Actually, but people from all sorts of different backgrounds and nations. And you know, we had a Jehovah's Witness and a Muslim and a Hindu all kind of coming to faith and saying, I've now known it to be true that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I love seeing the diversity. Paul Johnson and I had the opportunity as elders just to go round to someone's house recently. We would had a real tough time over Christmas. And uh, we just wanted to pray for them. And as, as we came in, um, they kind of welcomed us. And you know we kind of felt like returning heroes. You know, and they kind of sat us down and brought out these enormous pizzas. And alongside the pizzas, there were these huge trays of chicken. And um, you know, they, they, they would call us Pastor Steve and Pastor Paul, which I quite like, by the way. So I'm really happy. So if I ever come around to your house, greeting me with pizza and chicken and calling me pasta, I love this stuff, okay? But you know, what? It, just, it just showed me actually the beauty of the diversity with which we're now living. And it's, it's such a joy actually to know that God's doing something here. And we're brought together, I believe, in unity by belief in this truth, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. But he is the only way. I don't want to lie to you. He is the only way to God. Now, Rick Warren, I came across a a quote that he said, which I think speaks into this, and how is it that we can have differences of opinion with perhaps people who wouldn't believe the same thing? And he says this. He says, Our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. But we do need to, I believe, personally make a decision as to what do we think of this claim. And C.S. Lewis famously gave us three options that we must consider. I think that these are actually the only three options that we consider. He said this. He said, a man who was really a man and said the sort of crazy things that Jesus said, like we've just been reading, he wouldn't be a great moral teacher. He'd either be a lunatic or else he'd be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. But don't let us come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He hasn't left that open to us. He didn't intend to. So you've got to make a decision. Is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? Or could he be who he says and be Lord? I would suggest, on a journey of exploration, you should look at his character Who he was, what he said, how he spent his time, the miracles that he performed, the prophecies with which he fulfilled. There's some great books out there, even on our resource desks outside. Maybe you could even listen back to Simon's message from last week as he was uh, sharing about the incredible reality of the resurrection. Now, I would suggest all of us would probably admit that we are looking for fullness of life. Okay, We like the idea of having an amazing life which is lived out to the full. And uh, if you're not a Christian here, maybe it's the case that you think, oh, well, I'm slightly nervous of this thing being true, because you know, if I become a Christian, maybe i have to, you know, just holiday in Skegness and paint my house Magnolia or something. But listen, don't worry about those things. The message of the gospel is actually radical. Jesus Christ came not to make uh, bad people good, but to make dead people alive. This is what he offers, okay? And Christianity isn't about rules to obey. It's about a person to know, a relationship to enjoy so when he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, that's for right now, for all of us, to enjoy a relationship with him. When I was a kid, I used to um, uh, have a, a game of Top Trumps. Right? My favorite car in the Top Trumps was the Ferrari F40. Okay? It was a stunning car, even in the 80s. And uh, Now imagine for a moment, in a different time and world that I owned, it was sat outside in the car park, a Ferrari F40 so excited I was that I, I kind of dashed out to see the thing and with all admiration opened the door and grabbed hold of the manual that told me all about the Ferrari. And what I would do is I would get so excited and I, I'd read all of the different uh, parts and I, I'd examine the, the horsepower and think about engine capacities and braking speeds and, and really get to know this car. So excited would I have been that I decided that I would go out and purchase Ferrari clothing. And I'd have the Ferrari shirt and the Ferrari jacket. And, you know, maybe so much did I love this car that I wanted to join the Ferrari club. And I would go there on a weekly basis and we would talk about the Ferrari and we would talk about how it would look. And, you know, I'm just imagining kind of one day being able to graduate where I might be able to read the Ferrari manual in the original Italian with which it was made. And maybe I'd I'd like chop out little sections of uh, of the manual and put it on my mirror so that I could memorize them. Now, how many people think I'll be missing the point? Because I've never driven the car, right? The purpose of the manual, the purpose of the the clubs, the delight, the the learning of it, is to enjoy the car. Now, for us here, actually, it's possible to be part of the church, as it were, to serve and do the right things, to, to even read your Bible, but to never enjoy the relationship with Jesus with which we are called to. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. It's a daily decision, not a one-off so that you can tick a box on a form. Yeah, I responded in the meeting back in 2002. I don't know whether I have a relationship with God anymore. I said, God wants to call you back right now. I believe this to be a a bit of a first love kind of sermon. I've been thinking just about some of the delight I had when I was just getting to know Jesus. I was just finding out about him. I remember driving home after I'd been to the Alpha Course with which it had a massive impact on me and just listening to delirious songs and just weeping. I could sing of your love forever. The love that's touched me, the love that's encountered me, the love that's changed me. I remember having someone say to me, You've got to learn to hear God's voice. If he asks you to walk up and down the stairs ten times, you get on and do it. If that's if that's what you know, as long as it doesn't contradict scripture. I remember walking us across a car park in Milton Keynes and, you know, group of lads and, and a just big pile of litter. God telling me to go and put the litter in the bin. I'm like, what? I, I honestly, to this day, I don't know whether it was him or not, but I went and I, I picked it up, and they thought I was crazy, and I put it in the bin, and I just, I loved the fact that I was just getting to know his voice. I remember, you know, one of the first times I really laid before him what I needed. I was, I was driving to work, and uh, I just said, God, look, I, I, I need somewhere to live. You know, would you would you give me somewhere? I remember getting to work that morning and seeing two emails with with two different people offering me somewhere to go and stay with them. This stuff just doesn't happen outside of a relationship, the relationship that you guys are invited to. But you know, even more recently, it's so important to to walk with him and be responsive to what he's saying. I remember um, it was just in kind of last term in the autumn when I'd been away just for a day out with God. I'd been kind of walking around the lake and listening to to him and, and and reading a little bit. But just felt a deep sense of conviction about actually some of the habits and behaviors that I'd got into. And actually feeling like God would want me to bring something up, which I was a little bit embarrassed about, a little bit ashamed about, that had happened to me many years ago. Some stuff that had happened to me, some stuff that I did. And I realized that I hadn't ever spoken to anyone about it. Now, how many people know in those moments, I don't know whether you like me, but you kind of want to shove that stuff away. It's ugly and it's unpleasant. And I feel embarrassed about it and ashamed about it. But. I've kind of felt that nudge, that sort of that tapping that says, actually, I need some help to walk this through. And so I got kind of, uh, sort of back to my email, and I thought, right, okay, I'm going to strike while the iron's hot, and I'm going to just email two or three of the guys and just say, hey, look, in the next two or three weeks, don't mind when, you know, at some point, any chance that I could just get a few minutes with you. And um, it was probably, I got, got into my office, and I was, oh, you know, 20 minutes later, I think it was, that Simon knocked on my door, he's like, I'm free, let's do this. I was like, man, I was hoping that I'd get a few weeks to like block up the courage. I was like, all right, thank you. And we kind of went off into a, into a side room and, and, and I was just able to kind of share, look, hey, th- this, is, this is some of the darkness that's still been in my heart. Like, you know, he was brilliant. He prayed for me, he stood with me. But you know, the freedom that you feel in those moments. But it's about walking with him, being responsive to him. And you know, I, I don't want to be the Holy Spirit for you. He knows you and he's here. And so he'll be the one that's tapping on your heart right now and say, hey, look, this thing, that maybe you've been watching, maybe you've been doing, maybe, maybe, you, maybe you need to take the same decision that I did to respond to that, to find some freedom. Because when we don't, those, those sorts of decisions can rob us of what he's called us to, to confess, to repent, to, to, repent, to come back to Jesus. Let me tell you um, about a verse in 1 Peter 3.15. I would say this is one of the key verses that helps us to work out how do we live this way in light of reaching a world around us, okay? It says, In your hearts, honor Christ as Lord. Excuse me, yeah, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for the reason for the hope that is in you, and yet do this with gentleness and respect. When we're communicating truths like this, we need to do it with gentleness and respect. Now, for me, I would suggest there's two types of issues, okay? There are what I would call closed-handed issues, which I want to spend time talking about, because these are a big deal. And then there are open-handed issues, issues which I would have an opinion about, but actually I don't want to get uptight in arguing with people about it. Does that make sense? So, let's see if you guys can play the open-handed issue game for a moment. So, you've got to tell me whether this is of critical importance, such that you would, yes, I want to talk about that, or whether it's actually one of those things which we're quite open-handed about and we don't mind. Are you ready? Okay, first one. There should always be an organ leading worship in church. Is that a closed-handed issue or an open-handed issue? Well done, everybody. Open-handed issue. Who said closed? <laughs> it's an open-handed issue. I don't mind if people want to have an organ in church. That's great. What about, all right, here we go, here we go. What about the Bible is the word of God? Closed-handed issue? Open, you, can, you, can, you can play, take your part. Come on, lift your hand right here. Is it? Which one is it? closed. Well done, everyone. There's a number of people, with hands behind the back. I'm not entirely sure about this game, Steve. (laughs) All right, another one, another one. Okay, let's go a little bit more controversial, okay? The world was made in six literal days. Closed-handed issue, open-handed issue? All right, now, so for me, I'm not saying I don't have an opinion about it, but it's an open-handed issue. You know why? I wasn't there. Right? I honestly believe that if God had clicked his fingers and then suddenly stuff was here, Adam and Eve with a belly button, rings in the Garden of Eden, inside the trees, maybe that's okay. But I know very intelligent people who are on both ends of the spectrum. Right? And so actually there's an open-handed issue. All right, I'll try this one. We should always read the King James Version of the Bible. <laughs> Closed-handed issue, open-handed issue? Uh, you get the idea. All right, last one. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. It's a closed-handed issue, guys. It's something that I want to talk to people about. It's something that's worth your time. Someone's like fist-bumping me over there. I like it. And so in everyday conversations, we we can talk about these things. So whether it's on Friday when I was out with some guys in Costa, just talking to people about Jesus. Whether it was last night when we had some neighbors over, and they're just asking me, you know, but what's interesting about this verse is it says that people will ask you about the reason for the hope you have. Now, what do you do if people aren't asking? Two things I would suggest, okay? The first would be, are you living a life that's around people outside the church? Okay? Maybe people aren't asking you questions because people don't see your lifestyle. Okay? And then the other thing it says in that verse is that, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Is there a holiness about your life which models something to people and makes them want to ask questions? Okay? Both of those two things are absolutely critical. My favorite things that happened last week was that my brother-in-law came to the church and then he just said in talking about in talking it, it's like, you know, I've got this Christian in my office and it always just models integrity and just models purity. And it's a beautiful thing. I mean, land with just one final story, okay? It takes courage for us to live in this kind of way. And uh, my uh, stepsister right now, uh, she's from the kind of atheist side of the family but she uh, was diagnosed around about six months ago with cancer and um, for the last six months she's been having pretty intensive treatment and uh, to be honest with you it hasn't done anything and so there's uh, this next week she's going to go in for fairly major surgery it's, it's a big deal and I, I, I'll be honest I'm living with a struggle right now because I always feel like I need to cap out who I am around those people who are closest to me I don't know whether anyone who, who, who has family who aren't believers would resonate with that but I realized just a week or two ago that I was living with a real fear. Fear came from two different places, and I was stuck, locked between the two. On the one hand, honestly, I had a fear that says, if I step out, I want to pray for her. If she is not healed, have I done more damage? Have I pushed my family further away than they already are? And I was scared of it. On the other side, the fear was... What happens if I never pray? What happens, if, what happens if I don't find the courage to offer? And then for the rest of my life, will I live with the regret that I didn't? And you know, in the midst of feeling those two fears, someone came to me and they said this. They said, you need to let God be responsible for his own PR. Actually, our responsibility is to his obedience. And I, I cannot be responsible for, for whether God heals them or not. And, 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 but I want to step out to love them really well through the situation. And you know, if I stopped praying for the sick, actually, I would miss out on so much that God's called me to. We had a week just a few uh, weeks ago. It was last month. And um, in that, that week, I prayed for uh, one lady who had had terrible sleeplessness, insomnia, has been sleeping fine since. I prayed for one lady who said to me that she'd been struggling with terrible depression, I spoke to her the week after. She said, it's all just floated away. That same week, I had a lady who had had a car accident when she was 18 years of age. She was in her mid-40s. She said that she's been in constant pain since she was 18. The pain's completely gone. There was a lady who um, had had a massive knee uh, injury accident in in America last summertime. And she'd had two operations while she was in America. And she said that she'd been in constant pain since the middle of September. She sent me a message to be like, since you've prayed, there is no pain. Like, where do I live, you know? Will you live there with me? Live in the tension and the mystery. Sometimes I, sometimes I pray for people, they're not healed. But I believe that God is going to increasingly do more and more through us, and I will not back down. I'm not going to stop. Because if I, had, if I had just hidden away and thought, I'm too scared of getting it wrong and making mistakes here, then those people whose lives are different because of it, and there's been many others, actually would not have had the opportunity of feeling God in the same way. I honestly believe, guys, that the name of Jesus is high and above the name of cancer and every other injury and ailment. And so what we're going to do is we're going to land and we're going to pray. Okay? And that's two groups of people that I want to pray for. That doesn't limit what God's spoken to you about. What I would hope is what I'm trusting is that for some people, there's an intentionality that says, I want to live in such a way which recognizes the way, the truth, and the life, and I'm going to communicate about him. I want some people to, to say, today, I'm going to make a decision. So where there's been habits and hag-ups that, that have restricted my relationship with him, I want you guys to, to make a decision today that says, I'm going to find someone to talk to. But there's two other groups of people. I want to pray for people who have got long-standing, long-term conditions believing that God's going to do some miracles amongst us. And I also want to pray for those people who right now wouldn't say they were believers in Jesus Christ. Because as the way, the truth, and the life, he's calling you right now. And I want to give you the opportunity of responding to him. You might have come in here today thinking your greatest need is for a job or for finance or for a house to live in. I I want to be completely honest with you and say your greatest need is to know Jesus, to know his salvation, to know his grace and your power moving your life. And he wants to give you life and life in all its fullness. So just for a moment, while everyone just remains seated, can you just bow your heads and close your eyes for me? Now I'm doing this not because there's anything special about bowing your heads and closing your eyes, but actually because of the fact that it just gives space for those people who say this is the most significant day for me when I recognize that this is true. So if that's you, you pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning to recognize that you are the way, the truth, and the life. I turn away from those things that I've done wrong. And I invite you to come and lead me. Thank you for the cross. And thank you that I may call myself a Christian. In Jesus' name. Just for a moment, while every eye remains closed across the room, if you prayed that prayer, and this is a day when you put Jesus in his rightful place at number one, I want you to lift your your hand high in the air for me so that I can see it. Fantastic. Four, five, six people just responding to Jesus right now. Is there anybody else who says this is a day for me? Because I want to pray for you. Thank you, guys. All right. You can put your hands down. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just want to thank you so much that you're moving right here. I want to thank you, God, for the individuals who are choosing to put you back in first place, your rightful place. And I pray, God, that they would know your power and your grace and your favor and your life in all of its fullness. In Jesus' name, amen.